Hey there, Uh, today before we get into the episode as we normally would, I'm going to take a moment and celebrate a really important person in this community, Alison Kelsey. I first started uh, interacting with Alison when she reached out to me to tell me she was going to do whatever it took uh, to get the money to come to one of my private intensives that I was hosting in London. And um, it was down to the wire. And I think it was just that morning she messaged me to say, I'm coming, I'm coming. And of course, I knew she was going to be there. Um, and she just did whatever it took and she and she figured it out and she, and she made it happen. And uh, we had a lovely time with her. And I vividly remember when she arrived and we knocked on the front door. It was an Airbnb where I was hosting this uh, intensive and she arrived and she was all swirling silk and chiffon and mala beads and she had this crisp, loving, really clear, beautiful energy. And, and, and we had a gorgeous day. We had a great lunch with Sam and Lara and Rosie. Um, my sister was there uh, and, and, and with Alison. Alison and I, we worked together over a number of years um, and Alison was an important part of the Keep Growing Mastermind and also an important part of the Growing Your Yoga Biz family. Uh, we also worked uh, for years uh, one-to-one and I know over that the time that we've known her, she has been so inspiring for so many of us. Um, and I was talking to someone yesterday who was sharing with me that um, her retreats became more beautiful um, after after interacting and having fun and getting to know Alison. You know, Alison had this thing. She had this amazing place that she takes people in Spain. It was just all turquoise and purple and whole foods and uh, like dripping with luxury and and style. Uh, Classic Alison, just really, really stylish, real goddess living. Um, when we first started working together, Alison was teaching like something like 24 classes a week out of her home studio. She had a cult following, but she was freaking knackered. Can you imagine teaching that many classes? Um, bananas. But by the time we finished working together, you know, she'd got really clear on what she wanted to do and she'd reduced the number of classes she was teaching radically. Uh, but she was also really, she really gave herself permission to specialize in what she loves to do, which is women's work, beautiful women's work, deep and meaningful women's work, um, goddess work, uh, and, and taking people to just luscious locations, um, to these great little spots that she knew of all over Europe. And, um, and she, and she had that type of student loyalty where, you know, people like her, these people would come to every retreat she taught, all year, like, the, okay, yes, I'll see you in Spain. Yes, I'll see you in France. Yes, I'll, I'm coming to that one, that, that domestic one. Like, it was bananas. I remember once she messaged me to say she had fully sold out her early bird for a retreat because she sent out one text message. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you actually imagine you're selling a retreat and you just send out a text and then, damn, it's like half full. I mean, that's just, that's the sort of teacher that she, that she is, you know, just that, magnetic and and magnetic in a real and genuine way you know it doesn't surprise me at all that she could fill a retreat with just one text her energy her positivity and she truly is that beauty inner and outer beauty and and all of it combined is incredibly compelling um I remember talking with Alison about 
you know, what was sort of next for her in her life and um, what, what she was calling in. And we talked, we joked about her finding the perfect partner. And she had this vision that she was going to meet this guy in Ibiza. So it was important that she was there more because this was where she was going to meet her guy. And I remember once posting this picture, I don't even know what I was talking about, um, what the post was about, but it involved sharing a, um, it involved sharing an image of <laughs> air quotes, hot shiver. It was like kind of this, you know, it was a, not a card, a, a drawing of shiver and he was kind of ripped and no shirt and just the hair blowing wildly. And, you know, it really was hot shiver. And we had this joke that that, maybe not the blue thing, <laughs> but otherwise that was what Alison, that's what exactly what she was looking for. And I remember thinking, well, of course, girl, of course, that's what you're looking for because you ooze poverty energy. You know, you are that empowered, divine feminine, and you will do your own practice and you will get on with things and you will call in what you want uh, and embody what it means to be a yogini. So of course she wanted hot shiva. Alison hated the cold. She, she, she's about scarves and, uh, strappy singlets and dripping with jewelry and floaty harem pants and silk skirts and you know just all of that and so uh, you know people would ask her all the time for shopping tips and style tips where do you how do you know how to put things together and how, where do you buy your scarves you know it happened all the time and on her retreats she would get and she you know she'd get stopped in the street in Bali because people wanted to know how to dress like she dresses and we talked a bit actually about I always thought she should offer a styling service you know that you could have a yogini makeover that there was something in there that people just or she could take people shopping as a part of her Bali retreat you know to her favorite boutiques and help them pick out the right garments to match she just had you know how some people can just put things together she loved Bali the tropics she went to Bali to be with her teacher regularly. Um, she just was, you know, that's chasing the, chasing the sun, the beach, summer, all of it. So Alison was diagnosed with a brain tumor late last year and, um, and she, and she left her body last week, uh, a little bit over a week, actually. She left her body last week. And, um, and so today I want to say, you know, I want to say vale to Alison and I want to celebrate her and I want to take this time to, um, remember her and all of her Shri energy, all of her incredible inner and outer beauty, all that she overcame. You know, she's a, a mom. She worked hard. She really uh, made this life for herself. And, she, and, and, and in preparing this, I decided that I want to use as much as possible when we talk about Alison, I want to use the present tense. I want to choose the present tense intentionally because in part, I'm not ready to say goodbye. And um, I, I want to go and have another dinner after a workshop with Alison because she's just great. Um, but also because, you know, while Alison might not be in her physical body anymore, her energy is is everywhere. It still remains. She's still here with us. You know, I remember we went out for dinner once. David was there. We ate too much. We listened to the Hare Krishnas. Um, <laughs> I snooped around Neil's yard. <laughs> we had a great time. Um, 
And I miss that. You know, it's, I have those photos in my, in my Instagram and I miss that. And, um, and I was thinking about it this morning and I thought, well, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to have a, a di- Alison dinner more often. I'm just going to call it in. <laughs> I'm going to uh, put on something floaty and put on some David Primal and get out all my jewellery <laughs> and wear it all at the same time uh, and, and have dinner with Alison. And so um, I know, uh, you know, I'm not the only one feeling like this and um, – I know Lara and Susie and Sam and I've talked with Susan and I've talked with I've talked with so many of you um, about this and I know you might be feeling the same as me. So, you know, let's let's have fun here. Let's celebrate. And if you like me, um, feel like having Alison over for dinner <laughs> or dance in the garden with her or uh, you know do an oracle card spread and call on her wisdom, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't mind at all. Um, and, and, and thanks to everybody who, who has been contacting me, um, so that we can valet Alison. So Alison, uh, you know, you're such a beautiful embodiment of Sri and, um, I hope wherever you are now, uh, you're free from, from pain and from suffering. Um, and, uh, um, you know, you, you will continue to inspire us. You will continue to inspire us to um, choose beauty wherever we can, because why the hell not? Um, to to embody our true selves and to express that in full, you know, to really show up as our true selves. So, Vale, Alison Kelsey, you fucking goddess. Um, so, so, so much love to wherever the hell you are now. And, and thank you for, thank you for all of that divine luster that you brought into our lives. Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach.
Okay, everyone, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast for the week. Special guest episode this week. I'll introduce you to our guest in one moment. I think you're going to enjoy this one. It was fun. Before I do that, a couple of reminders. Firstly, uh, today is day one of my goddess wisdom in your yoga biz uh, five-day challenge, free training, whatever you want to call it. Essentially, we are getting together on the Zooms uh, every day this week to call some specific goddess energy into our businesses. So this is for you if you're feeling a bit meh, if you're feeling a bit underwhelmed with yourself, uh, if you're feeling like, geez, the weather, um, if you're feeling like, I don't know what's going on because things are opening up, or if you just like to geek out and have a chuckle with me uh, about all things yoga, great. Get yourself signed up. We are, it's an hour or more if we feel like it. Um, we're talking about a different goddess each day. Uh, what she has to teach us, and a piece of her story, some mythology and allegory that we can, a teaching that we can call into our business, and then some real talk about what that looks like on the ground. So we're going to translate it into, okay, sugar plums, let's do this thing. So if you want to come hang out, you know what it's like. We're just hanging out, having fun. Uh, make sure you signed up. I've put the link in the episode notes. You, I'm recording everything. So if you're listening to this a little later or whatever, you can still get yourself signed up and watch all of the ones that you may have missed. They're all there for you. Um, and it's going to be super fun. It's already fun. It's four more days of funness. Link in the episode notes. Come join us for that. Also, a reminder, of course, that growing your yoga bees amazing. Uh, $1,100 worth of bonuses finished this coming Sunday. That's the 21st of March. Yeah. Jesus, how, is that, how did that happen? Man, there goes the first quarter. So if you're coming to GYYB, and I hope you should, uh, and I hope you do rather, then you should uh, sign up now so you get the extra goodies so I can give you more goodies. Um, and I just dawned on me uh, over the weekend that if you want, if you've already done GYYB and you want to come back and do it all again, just hit me up. I'll give you a 50% off code. Um, if you're an alum and you want to come back, I haven't, I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, but that's always an option. So even if you were in like round one in whenever that was 2017, um, if you just want to come back in and hang out and get topped up again, just let me know and, um, hit me up on Insta or an email and I'll send you a code. You're, we'd love to have you back. You're always welcome back in the GYYB gang. So bonuses end on Sunday night. The link is also in the episode notes. All right. So let's, talk about who we're about to talk with, which is Dr. Megan Fisk, uh, who's my guest for this week, talking all things communication and public speaking. Uh, Megan is a Gemini with a PhD in communication, and she's got 10 years of experience as a college professor, um, and that, and as well as her inter intuition, which she uses to demystify speaking for her clients by showing them how to harness the power of their nerves to connect more deeply with their audience and create a speaking portfolio with all of their greatest hits. And this way, they never have to spend hours preparing for a podcast, summit, or other speaking event ever again. Uh, Megan and I talked about, we talked about a bunch of things in particular, some of the things that I think you're going to lo really love is she gives some really good recipes for how to build out some signature talks. So take notes on that one. Cause she's got some stepped processes that I really think you're going to enjoy. 
We also just talk about how to deal with nerves, how you can use the training that you already have as a yoga teacher to really, um, you know, overcome any fear you might have about communication or public speaking. We talked about how you um, approach people that you don't know, how you prepare to be on other people's podcasts. Lots of good stuff. If you want to learn more about Megan, uh, you can find her at drmeganfisk.com. That's M-E-D, start again, Amy, D-R-M-E-G-A-N-F-I-S-K.com. And uh, I'll put that in the episode notes too. She's got a freebie that you probably want to go get for yourself. So the best place to find all of that is to head over to her link, drmeganfisk.com and find out more. But for right now, here you go with what I found to be a fun interview with... Dr. Fisk. Oh, okay. So uh, here we go. We are now officially chatting, folks. Uh, Welcome to uh, what I know is going to be a great conversation with Megan and I because we've just been chatting actually before I pressed the recorder and that was already heaps of fun. So Megan, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love working with yoga teachers. So I'm excited to share all of my public speaking knowledge with your audience. I love it. And um, I particularly, I think it's just, as we were saying just now before, um, it's so timely because one of the things that we've been looking at here in in, in my community is uh, getting in front of new audiences and looking for ways to reach out to new people without spending money on advertising. And so we've been talking about joint ventures and um, I know some of my clients are inter- and now back into actual in-person networking events. Um, and I've, I'm always asking my masterminders to get on other people's podcasts. And so the skill set of public speaking is very, very front of mind for all of us abundant yoga teachers right now. So perfectly timed. Before we get into some nitty gritty, can you just give us, it's always interesting to me how people found themselves where they are now in the business. So tell us a bit about your business and how you got to be here in the first place. I love this question. I mean, who doesn't love talking about themselves? Like probably half the world. But yoga actually plays such a key role for me. So I finished my PhD back in 2015 in human communication. So I used to teach public speaking, small group communication, a lot of um, the essential classes at Arizona State University. But while I was working on my PhD, I couldn't get my brain to stop. And so I had this my favorite friend still of all times, her name's Liz. And she suggested that I do Bikram yoga. And I was like, I'm not really into yoga. Like that's not really my thing. I go and walk on the elliptical. I taught hip hop at LA fitness for a while. Like it seems really slow. And she was like, I'm telling you, like, if you want to focus and concentrate, go try yoga. Um, so I finally went with her and it was the first time and but I could remember <laughs> that my brain actually stopped. Uh, like 
And really, I was able to sink into my body. And I don't really like Bikram yoga anymore. But what was the main benefit for me was it was just so hot. And I lived in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. right? So it was already a desert. And Bikram was just so hot that like, if I stopped focusing on my breath, I really felt like I was going to die. Mm -hmm. And you have to just like lay down. You would have died or puked or maybe one and then the other. Yeah, totally. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was like coconut water was quite the fad. I think it was like 2011, 2012. I don't, yeah. But that really set me on this whole journey. So I ended up switching to a yoga studio that did more, um, I'd say like, like a stronger, modern flow going yoga and really started to drop into my body. And this was like part of you know, just finishing my PhD, all of that. But I think yoga just played such an important role in opening me up to new experiences. And so it got to the point where I had finished and had like what I thought was supposed to be the dream job, right? I was the professor. I was just going to do that for, you know, the next 20, 30 years, every day, rinse and repeat. (laughs) After like a year and a half, I was like, what am I doing? I was like 28 at the time too. And so like, I need more adventure in my life. Um, And I just remember going to yoga class just about every day, every other day and thinking through like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, breathing through the discomfort was something my yoga teacher Jim used to say all the time. And I started incorporating it more and more into actually my public speaking teaching because Mm. so many people, it's the number one fear in the world is public speaking. And I'd be like, just breathe into the discomfort. And then I got into meditation a lot too. And working with even my students in the college classroom on feeling like good feelings in their body and just letting that feeling expand before their speech And I was getting all of this like good traction to it. Um, I ended up taking a different teaching position abroad so I could travel through Europe. And then I always say (laughs) you're getting like the highlights of it. But um, (laughs) I ended up in Gabby Bernstein. Um, She has like a class. It's like Spirit Junkie Masterclass. But um, if anyone isn't familiar with her, like the universe has your back or super attractor, great books. Um, I was doing a class with her though. And she mentioned working with a public speaking coach before a book launch. And it was like every fiber in my body just lit up and got goosebumps. And I was like, wait, that's a job. Like I had no idea. I knew that there was the corporate consulting, um, that some of my peers had gone on to do and like, you know, teach fortune 500 CEOs, how to be better speakers or future CEOs, how to do it. But I was like, people like Gabby need public speaking help too. Um, and I had done quite a bit of consulting too on the side in terms of working with people one-on-one in public speaking. And so that was over two years ago now. And since then I've been able to work with yoga teachers are one of my favorites. I've got one, um, of my clients has a whole book coming out on goddesses and yoga in April. Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, and not all, I work with quite a few life coaches now and mindset coaches. I'm like, everyone's base though seems to be yoga. <laughs> you know, this is just me in a nutshell um, and how I got started doing what I'm doing. Um, 
And I love it. Every day is a new adventure and I get to work with people from Amsterdam to Australia, which is amazing. Cool. I love the online space for that reason. Totally. um, Before I ask you the next question, I just, for everybody who's listening, I just think you've made a illustrated such a beautiful point we had a conversation on my instagram a couple of weeks ago about what's the yoga teacher's role in um seeking to influence the students uh experience and it was quite a it was it was a juicy conversation do we even have one and one of the threads that sort of came out of that conversation was well we just teach the thing and we trust that the student will have the experience and just you know i'm just thinking about that bikram instructor could never have known that that the transformation that was happening and the insights that you were getting for yourself in that process, we can just never know what, who would have known that actually for you, what you got out of yoga was a new career path. <laughs> we can just never know right. that stuff. No, I mean, it was really the spark that set me on this whole trajectory yeah. and has influenced my life so much. And yeah, I never saw that yoga teacher again. I think she was like substituting a wow. class. You know, it's one of like those, the random slash maybe non-randomness of the universe things where you never know the impact you're going to have. And even I have, I've been kind of a college professor when I was in Kosovo, or um, sorry, a yoga teacher. I've been a college professor for the last 10 years, but um, there was a group of students that really wanted to learn yoga oh. at the college I was teaching at and there wasn't any yoga teachers. And so I was like, okay, I've been practicing for a long time. I can safely show them a couple things. Um, but I bring it up because you never know, right? And even as a college professor, you never know, maybe until years and years down the road, you'll email from a student you had that tells you something. But most of the time, you never know. Yeah. It's just fun I, of it all. And, and so maybe it's such a blessing when you do get a notice, note from someone like that, that you might not, you know, those not, you might not remember me, but you said this one thing and it really changed something. Maybe we could all, all of us listening could, could be the person who sends the note more often, you know, like mm-hmm. to, to get those notes. Yes. If you're in the position where you actually know the person, um, there's this great TED talk Ooh. called um, Everyday Leadership. And in it, he talks about lollipop moments. And it's exactly this. It's this one moment where someone changed your whole life, but you never really get the chance to tell them. And he makes this argument that you should be telling people yeah. about these lollipop moments. Go see yeah. if I can find it and put it in the episode notes. Okay. So I want to know, um, because this won't surprise anybody who's a regular listener. Amy was in the debate club at high school. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Only because the teacher, we would bribe the teacher to get us McDonald's. Uh, that's before debate. That's why. Um, but I'm curious, what is it about public speaking that terrifies people? Why is it their number one greatest fear? Oh, such a great question. I was also on the debate team and <laughs> did so much. And I've done so much asking for this, right? Market research is so important. And I hear a couple things. First is the judgment of others. Mm-hmm. So, so many people are so afraid of what their friend from high school is going to think when they jump on and talk about, Hey, I have yoga classes coming up. Here's, you know, maybe you do goddess yoga and you want to invite everyone to it, or you've got a really cool workshop coming on and you think, 
what's so-and-so going to think if I jump on and say this? Mm -hmm. Or you think on the flip side of that, no one even cares. No one's listening to my social media channels. What's the point of it? Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of a step further from that too is, you know, if no one cares, like, can I really have an impact? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But I think Marianne Williamson (laughs) has it spot on is that we're scared of our own power. Mm -hmm. Um, She has that beautiful quote that I know I'll mess up if I try and say it now, but it's really like, we're scared of our own voice, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're scared to think that we're so powerful that something we say could influence someone's life because how much power is that? (laughs) If I'm the yoga teacher Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, just breathe into the discomfort, walk out of class, thinking, carrying these lessons that you've learned today into your life. Like that's power. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. And you need to believe what you're saying enough that you're ready to share it and know that your audience is there ready to listen to it. And so I think it's that judgment side of it um, that really holds us back. And then even the self-judgment too. So judgment from others, judgment of yourself that what if I don't sound smart enough? What if if I get asked a question that I can't answer? Right. You know, so what if you get asked a question you can't answer? Here I am. I have a PhD in communication. People ask me questions all the time that I can't answer. And I say, oh, that's a really interesting point. You know, I'd love to learn more about it. Tell me about it. Because Mm. listening is a communication skill and it's the most underrated one. But that is a totally valid response to Mm. Mm. someone asking you a question you don't know. (laughs) Yeah. What I'm, it strikes me in um, you mentioned just now that you know being with your discomfort as you as you prepare or as you are delivering some public speaking, it strikes me that in this way public speaking in fact gets to be yoga, gets to be sadhana, gets to be your practice. And I'm wondering if you could highlight or, or, or share with us a little about if you if you see similarities there, and if so, how can we apply? some of the wisdom of yoga to the public speaking space in order to feel more empowered in actually sharing our message? I love that question so much. So (laughs) first, there's so many different techniques um, that I think really carry over from the mat into your public speaking practice. So thinking through like, I remember a yoga teacher saying to me a long time ago, like, well, your voice in your head, like that inner mean girl voice is telling you, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Right. You're cultivating part of the practice of yoga for me is cultivating that inner awareness of how my mind works. Mm -hmm. What things am I telling myself? Right. Am I spending my whole yoga practice comparing my warrior two to the girls next to me (laughs) or thinking, oh, if only I could do for a long time in my yoga practice, I thought if I could just do a handstand, I would become enlightened. (laughs) Finally, it was so easy. If I could just do it, that would be great, right? (laughs) But we all know that's not the case, right? And so it's like, oh, what is that inner voice saying? And starting to tease it out. And then I like to look at, um, I love mindset coaching for this reason. Like, where did I first have that belief? 
is this even a belief that I still believe? And because thoughts are just beliefs that we keep believing, right? I think Abraham Hicks says that. And so when did we first start to think, and I know for me, like I used to have, um, I wouldn't say like terrible public speaking fear, but just a belief that I had to be perfect. Like if I could just be on like the most perfect human being, everything would be perfect. <laughs> everything would be perfect. Right. And so I did a lot of ballet growing up and Miss mm-hmm. Debbie was my ballet teacher for most of my life. She's very like particular. <laughs> she strove to make us perfect. Yep. And one day where I remember I walked in um, to yoga class and I didn't have on the right colored leotard. And so that's the day when, you know, she made me sit in the front of the room the whole time. I couldn't participate. And, you know, she shamed me. And I tried explaining to her why I had on the wrong colored leotard and she didn't want to hear any of it. And I remember that feeling of like my throat closing up. And so this other thing that I'd like to share with your audience about public speaking fear is where do you feel it in your body? Mm. So it's not only cultivating that awareness of the thoughts that we have, but also that physical sensation in Mm -hmm. our body. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for a lot of us, it is that throat chakra closing up. It's that feeling of, oh, I can't quite squeak out the words. And especially if we're passionate about the issue or it's something that we have some shame around we have to build up the courage (laughs) to talk more about Mm it. Mm -hmm. And so yoga practices really that open up your throat chakra, like a couple poses, cat cow, even some neck rolls um, are things that I advocate for my students to do um, as they're preparing for their speeches, because you want, and you know this from debating, you want to do vocal warmups that are going to get you ready to go and give your speech. So why not incorporate yoga poses into it? Hmm. And the last thing I'll share too is just like the visualization and meditation component can really help you with public speaking. So visualizing, like if you want to give a TED talk someday, or if you want to be the main speaker at a yoga festival, Mm -hmm. holding in mind that image and that visualization, particularly of the audience clapping at the end, maybe they're giving you that standing ovation and doesn't like just imagining that you get so much like peace and like love and like, oh. I love that feeling, right? Imagining how great that's going to feel and working with that visualization over and over again. So you start to really love it. Hmm. Okay. I love it. So we've got some, um, there's some mindset stuff, identifying limiting beliefs and where they came from and interrogating those. There's some, um, there's some stuff about maybe asana or things to loosen parts of the body where you feel tightness or constriction. Um, uh, yep. And, and then um, thinking about like programming, I guess doing some pro some mental programming about what it's going to feel like when you have, when you're feeling confident with your, with your public speaking. These are super, these are super helpful. Uh, something that I wonder about, you know, th- there's lots of people who talk about like the signature talk or what's your, um, you know, what, what's your signature talk or what's your, your key message. Um, and, and for a lot of people in yoga land, uh, they came to yoga through um, adversity of some kind, uh, significant life change, bereavement of some kind, 
um, a loss uh, and, uh, that came to yoga and that started them on their journey and then or stress or anxiety or whatever, and then they fell in love with the practice. It was healing for them. They decided to become a yoga teacher. And for a lot of people, the that, that fulcrum that took them to yoga is, is, is very intimate. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm curious to know about this idea of how do we find for us, and I imagine that it is different for everybody, but how do we find the sharing the, the, the story, the, the, the signature talk, um, but in a way that feels safe and honours what might have been, you know, that, that point of time that caused us to embark on this journey might not be something that we want to share or, or not share in full. I'm curious to know, how do you craft your signature talk without feeling like you are oversharing or being um, exposed in a way that doesn't feel safe? Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind. First is there's my main rule of thumb for sharing any story is how is it going to benefit the audience? Mm -hmm. What is that takeaway going to be for them? So you want to make sure that you're in a place where you're outside of the situation now, right? Where you can transfer that lesson to your audience in a way that's going to be helpful for them, help them accomplish whatever their goal is or the reason for speaking. And so if you're like, yeah, check. And then my other rule of thumb for it is, can you share the message? And even if you're crying a little, or you've got some tears running down your face, it's not closing off your throat. And that comes from practicing it um, with a group of trusted friends until you're comfortable sharing it on these larger stages. Because what happens sometimes I had one client who her first experience, she was actually invited before she was ready up onto a stage to share her story and ended up like sobbing through half of it. The audience couldn't really understand. And now she has more like public speaking anxiety that that's going to happen to her again in the future. She has this memory of like, Oh, I didn't get to say what I fully wanted to, what would have had the best impact for my audience. So I really want to stress that you're sharing it from this place of peace and from a place of knowing that it's of the greater good for Mm -hmm. your audience. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if it's check and check there, then it's just thinking through, like, what is that lesson? What is that one thing? I would call it your core message. That one truth, the one thing that you want everyone in your audience to walk away knowing um, that is going to somehow either shift their mindset, their attitudes, their behaviors, help them see something in a new way something like that. Um, and so I'd call that your core message. And I actually have a challenge all about finding your core message mm. because it's such a central part of becoming the next level speaker, right? So, you know, I know a lot of people listening to your podcast right now are doing yoga classes on the regular. And so you're used to being in front of people and chit-chatting, but taking that next step in marketing particularly and getting on more podcasts, or maybe you want to start hosting regular lives and sharing information um, as part of attraction marketing strategies and like a Facebook group that you have or something like that. Knowing your core message and who you are and what you stand for 
is just so essential to the rest of your business marketing mm-hmm. messaging. So I always say it's unlocking your business messaging mm-hmm. is your core message, that North Star. I can give you some examples too, if you'd like. Yeah, love some. Awesome. Um, so like my core message is your speech will change the world. And I use that whenever I get lost in a like podcast interview like this, or, you know, it's right there on my landing page. When you come over to my website, all of that, um, Gabby Bernstein's is become the happiest person, you know, which more always has like something to do on your audience side, but it's still like your truth. Mm -hmm. Um, the goddess yoga instructor I was talking about before hers is something along the lines of like ancient wisdom for modern day goddesses. Mm -hmm which I really like. And uh, yeah, like um, you can't grow from when you're in fear is another one of my clients. So I throw those out as examples um, because I think it's helpful to have them. Um, But really I've got the best thing is to just get really like still with yourself. Maybe do that meditation or visualization practice and think, by imagining who your ideal audience members are, like who is it that you want in your yoga classes? See if you can see their faces through a meditation. And then what is that wisdom that you want to impart on them? Mm-hmm. What would you tell them if they were in front of you? And keep track over a couple days and you'll start to see themes in what it is that you think you want your core message to be. Mm-hmm. I love it. And folks, if you want, um, Megan has got a resource that you can get your hands on if you want to the link is in the episode notes to help you unlock your core message so if, if this is ringing bells for you if you're listening um go check that out like I said the link is in the the episode notes I'm curious if we if we could just talk a little bit then for I'm thinking of some of my clients in particular and I won't go into details um but you know th- their journey to yoga was through um adversity that they just they don't want it. They don't want to share. It's not for any. It's them. They're they're healed. They're healing. But it's not it's not for the public domain. Could you talk a little bit about um, ha- having a ha- having a speech or having a talk that that really resonates with people? That is that builds rapport. That's relatable, but where you don't have to necessarily disclose the specifics. How do you craft a talk that is engaging and relatable? without airing all the dirty laundry. I get what you're saying. Yes. So there's three stories that every business owner needs applies to yoga teachers. Your first one is your founder story. How Mm -hmm. did you get started? Mm -hmm. And so you can gloss over the details like you, if you rewind back and listen to my founding story that I shared at the beginning about how I started as a public speaking coach. Mm-hmm. And it's why I really say you want to map this out and practice, practice, practice it because everything you do, people ask you, how did you get started? <laughs> right? So it's such an important story and you get to pick what those milestones are. Right. So I had so much family drama going on in my life at that time. I gloss over it. (laughs) I keep the focus just on, I was really stressed out in college. It's true. Like I was, and our lives are always complicated. We always have tons of more things going on. And so you're in control. You get to pick what those beats are, what those main parts of your story are going to be. The trick to a good story is that it always has four parts. And then I'll tell you the other two stories. So you're always going to start with what was the normal? What was your day-to-day like? Then the transformation. Mm -hmm. I found yoga. 
-hmm. right? (laughs) That's all of our transformations for our founder stories Mm -hmm. is I came across this yoga class, X, Y, and Z happened. What's your new normal now? What is that promise? What has your yoga practice taught you? And then the wrap up, the wrap up is really important. It's where you transfer the lesson um, that you want your audience to know. And so you're in control of what details you share, how you put that story together. I sometimes think about it as like a movie, right? Because movies are stories, Mm -hmm. but you always drop into a movie at a specific point in time. Mm And then that rising action happens. And so you get to pick what that specific point in time was. Um, If you don't want to talk all about your divorce or all of the terrible, all the the trauma that happened to you, you don't have to. Um, I'd like to when um, there's the image that comes to mind for me is like you can lead your audience to know without having to say it. So what this might look like is, you know, I was 19 making a lot of really poor decisions and drinking quite heavily and had some consequences to those poor decisions. And so now, and then you keep it broad, like I'm totally making something up. You keep it broad, you leave it open to the audience's imagination um, because that's going to draw them in even more too. And The main point, like I was saying before, is always that wrap up. What lesson do you want them to know? Mm -hmm. And so maybe taking that 19-year-old example is you're talking to a group of college kids that are just starting yoga for the first time. You want them to know maybe that like a healthy lifestyle is possible at any age. Mm -hmm. And so I was making all of these poor decisions, found yoga. It helped me put in place um, X, Y, and Z behaviors or practices And what I'd love for you all to know at the end of the speech, of the end of today, is that that's totally possible for you too. And maybe here's three or four steps you can walk away with to get started. Um, I know a lot of famous yoga teachers who have that founding story. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like my life was chaotic and out of control. Transformation was yoga. Now it's this. And so it's the... Uh, the situation, the transformation, the new normal and the wrap up in the wrap up. And that's your founder story. And so the other thing is, is this framework works for the other two types of stories. So the second one is your client transformation. So if you're doing a lot of workshops or one-on-one work, or even like your group yoga classes, it could work for too, is you want to paint the picture of like what happens when someone works with you. Mm -hmm. And so you use those same four beats, normal transformation, new normal wrap up to show where someone starts with you what you walk them through, through yoga classes, and then what that new normal is, what's happened since they've worked with you. And then the wrap up where you just kind of recap your process, tell people how they can get in touch with you, that sort of thing. Um, The third story is the aha moment. We all have these fun stories in life where, you know, you're just walking down. I always think of like, is it Isaac Newton that had the apple fall on his head and he discovered (laughs) gravity? Like the biggest aha moment. (laughs) all times, but we all have these aha moments where it's like, oh, I never thought about it that way. And so sharing those in the story form can be really helpful too. Ooh, I don't ha- I'm going to think about that one for me, about aha moment. I'm sure I've had some. 
Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I'm sure you have. And I mean, I suggest to you, your, you and your listeners is you don't need infinite stories. So this is something I work on with my folks in Soul Speakers Academy is finding your 10 greatest hits. If you have 10 solid stories, mm, it's true. You yes. just tell over and over again, you find yes. yourself in yoga class. You always say, you know, maybe you have one flow and you always tell the same story in that flow. Like just write them down, make that record of, okay, these are my 10 stories. And then you're good. <laughs> like you rinse and repeat. Because I think so many times as business owners, we get stuck in this mindset of like constantly creating new content or thinking, oh, I've got to innovate. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Your founding story is something that's not going to change. Yeah. Your client transformation, picking out maybe two or three of them based on who your different ideal clients are, that's going to be good for a while, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's not something that's going to be changing every couple months. Um, knowing your aha moments, you can do, you know, popular, um, I always think of like parables, but... Mm -hmm whatever type of, whatever parable means to you or folk tales. Um, those are really great ones to have too. And so you get your 10 stories and then you're good. You know what to talk about in podcasts. You know what to do on Facebook lives. It's so, 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 so good. And yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm conscious of time. But I've got one more thing I want to ask you. Um, and then of course, if there's anything that, that I haven't asked that you'd like to share with us. But I'm wondering about, okay, so you've given us some great, we've got some ideas about crafting stories so that at least we, and we, we've talked about how to feel good about talking about your founder story and not oversharing if you don't want to, feeling safe. You've given us some great tips about how to prepare before we get up on stage, whether that's a virtual stage or Jai soon, a real one. I'm wondering if you could, is there any tips or pointers you might have, uh, and I know this was a, a sticking point for me until it wasn't, that, okay, I've got, this, I've got the story down, I've got the speech down, I, I know that people enjoy this part, I've, I've practised, but then it comes to the point in the speech where you actually invite people to purchase something from you and people lose their mind. In fact, and DM me, everybody, if this is you at this moment, you end up skipping that part altogether because you don't want to just pollute the nice speech that you've done by saying, would you like to buy some yoga from me or would you like to come on my retreat or would you like to join my teacher training? Any pointers about feeling confident and just not <laughs> self-abandoning the point of a speech where it's actually time to do the business? Yeah, it's <laughs> the most important part of the speech. <laughs> it's the disservice to the audience to not invite them to take that next step. Oh, with. my God. That is a tweet right there. I agree with you completely, but that's just going to blow up people's minds that are listening right now. Yeah. No, it was the key for me because I was right there with you all at one point in my business too. And it was realizing that people after they hear your speech or after they've been engaging with you for a while, they want more. Yes. They're ready for more. Yeah. And you have something amazing to share with them and they want to be part of that energy exchange. So mm -hmm. I really look at exchanging money like an energy exchange. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sure you guys have talked more money mindset or have someone you can refer them to because that was what really helped me get used yeah. to doing it is coming at it and approaching sales from this place of service, from this place of, Hey, I want to share this really cool thing with you. It costs this amount of money. Let me know if you're interested. 
-hmm. It's not at all about being pushy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not at all about saying something like, and I always think of info commercially, like, and for a limited time, you can this for $99 or three easy payments. Like there's techniques and strategies if you're doing like a webinar funnel where I will give you that, like that can be helpful to do. But for most of us, um, what I like to do is I go live once a week in my Facebook group and I always invite people to that next step. Mm -hmm. And so mapping out what that sales funnel process looks like Mm -hmm. um, can be really important. So maybe it is first you give them like some free meditations, right? And then they get on your email list. Building an email list is so important for everyone. They get those free meditations. Then maybe you do a monthly workshop. Of course, people want to know about your monthly workshop. I would be so upset if my favorite yoga teacher didn't share that he was doing like a handstand workshop. I I feel really pissed off when I'm like, sell me something. Now we're at that time. I want to know what, like, that was good. What do I do now? I want more. At least I want to, I call it in my community, I call it the dessert menu. I always want to see the dessert menu. Even if I don't order the dessert, I want to know what's on the menu. Right. I know. I'm thinking about, again, my yoga teacher in Arizona. Um, he does a retreat most of the, most every year (laughs) to Costa Rica. And It's like a dream of mine to go on that yoga retreat. So Mm -hmm. I love when he talks about it, when he shares like, hey, I'm like looking for, I wonder when he's going to start again, when COVID's over. Like, yeah, I want to, I want to be sold. Like, I want that experience. It's something. Invite me so I can say no if I want to. (laughs) Exactly. And like, I think that's the other thing is realizing everyone has their free agency and we're just extending the invitation. Yes. It's up to them to take you up on it. So you're not responsible (laughs) for if they say yes or if they say no. You're just responsible for making that invitation. I love it. And for everybody who identifies with this section, if you get, if you know, so if you know that you've just finished a virtual retreat and you'd like to invite everybody to come to your next thing, remember, it's just extending an invitation. And just imagine that Megan and I are in your audience and we will be sitting there with our arms crossed, feeling disappointed. And if you don't offer us to take the next step. Yeah. Amy, if we have a quick second, I actually had a client once early on in my business messaged me after she had done like a free coaching session with me and then messaged me and was like, I saw that you're promoting your group coaching program. Is it that you didn't want me in it? Like, right. And then I felt so terrible. And when, because of course I wanted her in the group coaching program, I just felt too awkward to say it at the end. Because I was like, no, like I had offered her this free coaching session. I don't want to like impose this on her and had all of this like mindset stuff going on. And then I get that message and I was like, oh, I never want that to happen again. So <laughs> sharing that for everyone out that. there. But you don't want someone like that student of mine <laughs> being like, oh, she just doesn't want me at her next workshop. I didn't pre-qualify for an invitation. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I turned, I don't know if you saw, I turned red thinking about it because 
it was such a life lesson. So I'm happy to share. And this is one of those instances where that was an aha moment. Like that's a story that I get to share now. Sucked in the moment, but a big aha moment for me um, that I'm happy to share. So other people don't make that mistake in the future. I love it. And you know, it's, it's, it's perfect because it actually just takes us full circle to where we started with your story about yoga and, and your aha moment there. Um, because what you've just what we've just uncovered again is that we we're not responsible for how someone interprets what we're sharing and we can't possibly know what's going on for them when we're teaching them yoga or inviting them to take the next step with us it's our job to have the clear communication um but to not we can't we can't control how it's received we can just do our best i so agree so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Some real gems in there. I know there are people who love a four-step system. So thank you for that. Folks, don't forget, if you want more from Megan, go get her freebie um, to unlock your core message with the link in the episode notes. Any final words of wisdom or anything else you wanted to share with us? Can we st- Where do we stalk you on the internet? Oh, yeah. You can find me at drmeganfisk.com. I hang out the most in my free um, Facebook group that's Public Speaking for Soulpreneurs, S-O-U-L, soul, not solo, um, preneurs. And that's where I go live all the time. I would love to work with more yoga teachers. So come on in. And it's just been an absolute delight chit-chatting with you all. I would love – I always say, like, I think – yoga and why I chose to work with yoga teachers and soulpreneurs overall is we have the messages that the world needs now more than those fortune 500 CEOs, more than the politicians. Like my big vision is like how awesome here in the U S we have school boards, um, for every local school. And I'm like, how amazing would it be to have a yoga teacher on every school board advocating the eight limbs of yoga? Like think about what the next generation could look like if they're being taught from a place of love and kindness versus whatever it is we're doing now. So I am super passionate about working with yoga teachers and helping you all get your message out to the masses. So I hope you come by and check me out. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.